This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. This morning, we'll hear from guests attending a potluck dinner as they share a wide range of social and political perspectives. What if he isn't elected? What if he runs, because he could run from jail, evidently, and he doesn't win, and he doesn't accept it again? That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. A settlement in a lawsuit alleging inhumane jailhouse treatment is pending, and Governor Jim Justice says more employee firings may be on the way. Randy Yoey has the story. After a federal magistrate ruled that state workers purposely destroyed evidence and he recommended judgment for the inmates, Justice's Chief of Staff Brian Abraham says it was in the best interest of the state to resolve the matter. Abraham, who fired two top correctional leaders, says an internal investigation is ongoing regarding any other employees that might be implicated. The inmates' complaint alleges inhumane and overcrowded conditions at the Southern Regional Jail near Beckley. In his weekly media briefing, Justice said the people he sent to inspect jail conditions were not truthful in their reports. We had people that purposefully, you know, uh, covered stuff up. What we found wasn't very pretty. The inmate's attorney says the undisclosed settlement involves only financial relief, and a separate lawsuit against justice is about getting jail conditions corrected statewide. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. The West Virginia Board of Education has issued a state of emergency for special education services in Hampshire County Schools. Liz McCormick has more. The West Virginia Department of Education's Office of Accountability conducted a special circumstance review in September of Hampshire County Schools following three years of a lack of progress on a state-issued improvement plan. The September review identified issues with administrative processes, incomplete, incorrect, or out-of-date individualized education plans, or IEPs, and inconsistencies in special education curriculum across the county. The review also identified inexperienced, uncertified, or long-term substitute teachers in special education roles. The state board directed State Superintendent of Schools Michelle Blatt to appoint designees who will coordinate on-site school improvement efforts. The county will have six months from the time it receives recommendations to make changes before the state board considers additional action. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Liz McCormick in Shepherdstown. Breeze Airways has added a new route to its service from Charleston International Yeager Airport. Caroline McGregor reports. Breeze Airways will begin new service from Charleston to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina next May. The air carrier will offer one-way fares from $49 if purchased by November 14th for travel completed by September 3rd, 2024. Jaeger Airport Marketing Director Paige Withrow says the new route is popular among passengers. Our community is constantly asking for a Myrtle Beach route. Um, it opens up new possibilities for both our leisure and our business travelers in West Virginia. So we're excited to see Breeze continue to grow as they introduce new destinations here at CRW. Breeze Airways currently offers routes to Orlando and Tampa, Florida. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor. In the latest episode of Us and Them, host Trey Kay returns with a tradition he began several years ago, a potluck dinner with guests who reflect a wide range of social and political perspectives. 
This time, the conversation includes election politics, the indictments of former President Donald Trump, and the public's diminished trust. But along the way, there are moments of common ground, including two local politicians from across the aisle who say they got elected together to get things done. Here's an excerpt from the latest Us and Them. Today, many Americans are turning their interest towards the 2024 election. So far, the two frontrunners appear to be President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. A rematch of the last election. I wonder what my guests are thinking in the early days of this race. We've talked a bit about trust. And, and, and it seems like it, when I just said that word right now, I saw people on the left and the right shake their heads, nod their heads. How are you guys feeling about the 2024 election? Jay, you didn't feel confident about the last election. I text my daughter this past week. We were talking uh, about some of the indictments in Georgia and some of the news and so forth. And what I told her was if Trump is found guilty and sent to prison, the conservatives in this country is going to go crazy. If by chance he is reelected, the liberals and progressives are going crazy. And what I told her is we're in for some crazy times in this country. The only thing that would stop is if he bowed out himself and he's not going to. You nodded your head, uh, Elliot, when he said that, that either side is going to go crazy. Is that is I've that heard it you do you do, do, you've heard it? But it sounds like you may not agree with it. Well, I mean, I know and people are already crazy, so I don't I don't know that anybody's going to go any crazier. I mean, I think that um, you know people will act out, and um, I think that they have now. You know, we've opened a Pandora's box where people feel okay to do that, and um, I'm I'm very worried myself. Very worried about all the things that have been opened up. We'll be okay here in West Virginia. We got common sense, really. What if he isn't elected? What if he runs, because he could run from jail, evidently, and he doesn't win, and he doesn't accept it again? Because he's saying that, basically. Well, and I think he would, but the only thing I can say is, So we go through this, uh, is this... Election days. If the COVID and the drop boxes and all that was was back again, which I don't believe there's no way they will be, uh, if all that was back, yeah, it'd be a problem. But uh, there's been a tremendous uh, attempt to do away with the things that could be corrupted. I think, and I, I think that we also need to make sure people don't. Use it as an excuse not to vote, that my vote doesn't matter. I think that everyone needs to still believe and know that every individual vote still matters. And, um, and I think, you know, because some people might just say, well, it doesn't matter. And, and, and it really does. We've been listening to the latest episode of Us and Them, Pot, Luck, and Politics. To hear the entire program, download it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen online at wvpublic.org. Us and Them is supported by the West Virginia Humanities Council, the Daywood Foundation, and the CRC Foundation. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751. 
Variable cloudiness today, a chance of rain and windy with highs in the 60s and 70s. Tonight, a chance of rain, lows in the 40s. Rain continues tomorrow with highs in the 40s and 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by CRW Airport with new flights to Orlando, Florida, Charleston, South Carolina, and Tampa, Florida on Breeze Airways. Visit JaegerAirport.com. Herschel Woody Williams was an American hero, the last living World War II recipient of the Congressional Medal of Honor and a proud West Virginian. After a lifetime of service, the Marion County native died last summer at the age of 93. West Virginia Public Broadcasting explores the life and legacy of Williams in Woody Williams, An Extraordinary Life of Service. Bill Lynch spoke with the filmmakers, Randy Yowie and Janet Kanicki. When did you, you know, first encounter Woody Williams? I first encountered him, oh, maybe 15, 20 years ago when I was working for WSAZ as a field reporter. And he was just in my beat. And so a couple of times when you went and covered a Veterans Day ceremony or something, there he was. He was the speaker. Got to know him a little bit and... uh and done stories off and on with him ever since. For me, uh, just always saw him at the Capitol during session and uh, never really interacted with him. But I always saw him wearing his Medal of Honor. And fast forward a couple of few, whatever, years later, um, Randy and I were in the Senate chambers waiting to interview somebody. And there's Woody. <laughs> and it's like, sir, can I get my picture taken with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, that's one of my prized pictures now. He had a heck of a presence. I mean, he could gently dominate a scene. He wasn't overbearing. I mean, he had one of the best balances I've ever met of any person. He was always on a mission. He always had something to do. He could talk to a, a prince or a pauper the same way. And he had, a, he had this kind of a gentle, demonstrative air about him that I've not really seen in anybody else ever in my life. How long was this documentary in development? When did you guys start? We started um, when he passed away last year in June. And uh, Randy, I guess, was assigned to cover the events. And, uh, we for just, radio, yeah. For radio. So we just teamed up with radio and video. She brought her camera. Yeah. And and he brought I his mic. <laughs> brought my mic. And uh, so we covered it really thoroughly. And, and then Janet went to... D.C. to cover to, him lying in honor there at the Capitol. At the Capitol. And uh, I came back having all this footage. It's like, we got to do something with it. Where did the working on this documentary take you? Where did you go? Jeez. Um, <laughs> well, after Janet went mm -hmm. to D.C., uh, then we went first to the Marine Corps Museum uh, just outside Quantico, Virginia. Right. But just getting that insight at Quantico was, was the first place we, we went and interviewed their curator there and, and saw their exhibits and, and saw how Woody was, was so revered. When Marines learn how to be Marines in boot camp, there's a Woody lesson for every single Marine. 
you know, this is what you need to aspire to. From there, we went to New Orleans, to the World War II Museum. Right. That's where we got the most famous line of love, our whole documentary. <laughs> love it. was a, a young lady, what's her name? Constance Whitaker. Constance Whitaker. Love I'm it. interviewing her. And, I, and she's talking about how she met Woody and how he would, the crowd, the crowd would be drawn to him and stuff. And I says, was he kind of like a rock star? And she goes, he was a friggin' rock star. So much gusto and sincerity. Just at a rough estimate, how many hours went into this? Hundreds. Yeah, hundreds. Many, many hours. Some of them were hard. More for Janet than me, because we didn't know it was going to be a half hour, hour. We decided then not to worry about it. Let's just write the story. What do you hope people will take away from your documentary? Just the passion that Woody had to serve, that they would pick up on that, too. That it's not about him, but it's about other people. That they would just pick that up, too. Uh, and, and I speak to that for myself as well, that I would think about other people before myself. I mean, in talking to his daughter and his grandson, and we spent a lot of time, two or three trips to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, where the Woody Williams Foundation is headquartered, and now his grandson, Chad Graham, runs it. We just saw throughout his family and his life, it was service. It was just being an unselfishness that's hard to describe, that it's not just about veterans, although for him it was about veterans and then everybody else, a guy on the street, you know, somebody he'd heard about, um, something that needed to be done to help people get from point A to point B. And he took that job beyond any kind of a scope that you would think. He just, didn't just help them fill out their forms to make sure that they got their GI Bill money and stuff like that. I mean, he went to Vietnam during the Vietnam War to help him to, what's the word, acclimate come back because so many of the people in Vietnam had the PTSD when they came back and somebody that had a personal problem he drop everything he did go to their house and stay as long as he need to but he was just unselfish unselfish yeah Randy Janet thank you very much Woody Williams an extraordinary life of service debuts at 8 p.m. Saturday night on West Virginia Public Broadcasting West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Caroline McGregor is our assistant news director, and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. Mm-hmm.